The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our New Testament reading this morning is found in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. Hear the word of the Lord. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he, that is Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces, end of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is God's word, and it is true. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we come as a people who are in need. We come to learn of you this morning, to be fed by you, to be fulfilled by you. Humble us, reveal what our needs are, and reveal that they are found in you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. August 4th, 2020, Beirut, Lebanon exploded. The capital city of Lebanon, holding 2.2 million people, experienced what felt like a nuclear explosion. A warehouse in the port of this city had been unsafely housing ammonium nitrate and an immense amount of it. In a moment, it went up in a flame, in in a burst, in an explosion. What started as a fire ended in utter devastation, for Beirut, and for the nation at large. The blast was heard over 150 miles away on the island of Cyprus. Surrounding nations around Lebanon even felt the shockwave as it came out from the city. Over 200 people died that day. Over 7,000 people injured, and over 300,000 people were homeless. That's Brown County. Imagine that, homeless, in just a moment. Imagine the needs there. To say that the people in Beirut were needy or in need is quite an understatement. In recently viewing a short documentary on this event, it was clear that the people's even just basic needs in the aftermath were hard to be met or difficult to be met. Even sleeping, just surviving, eating day to day. Beyond this, their felt needs were being shouted in the streets at a government who allowed these substances to be held in the port. They wanted leaders who would fight for them, who would provide ways for respite from this catastrophe. 
Even more palpable in the interviews, in their voice, was that sense that their ultimate needs were going unmet. Genuine hope, joy, security, satisfaction. They had no hope that these would ever be met again. You could see it. At times, it takes a catastrophic event like this, as as horrific as the one there, to expose the neediness of humanity. Whether it's in basic needs or varying felt needs or even in in our ultimate needs. It takes a catastrophic event to show that, but other times it can take simple moments to show our needs. What happens to you if you don't eat for several hours? I think this is where the word hangry came from, right? Hungry and angry. What if your felt need of being left alone or of having some sense of security in a very unsafe or insecure world goes unmet? What if your ultimate needs go unmet? In some form or another, you are feeling unfulfilled, discontent, dissatisfied. We are a people who live in constant need. Whether we realize it or not, whether there's a catastrophe that shows it or not, we are a people in need. And in truth, God has created us in such a way to have these needs so that we would find our all in him. We see in Mark 6 today that Jesus is compassionate Jesus is compassionate, my friends, and he knows what we really need. Because of this, we can bring our needs to him and we can be satisfied. For some hangers for the uh, sermon today, you can think of it in terms of basic needs, felt needs, and ultimate needs. We'll, We'll cover them all. But in our first point, we see that Jesus sees and knows the basic needs of his people. And not only of just his people, but of not his people, the crowds. The people who don't hunger for Jesus, but who hunger for Jesus to do something they want. This morning, are you aware of your basic needs? Do you ask God to meet them for you? Are you thankful when they are met, or do you take them for granted? Mark 6 has told us of Jesus giving authority to his his 12 disciples and then sending them out to preach and to heal and to cast out demons. We also learn that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, one of the greatest prophets, was beheaded by King Herod just before this. And so in verses 30 to 32, we can imagine the disciples who are overjoyed as they come back at what they saw come out of their mouths, what they saw come out of their fingertips, and the evil they saw come out of people. They're overjoyed, but yet... It's mingled with a sadness, a sorrow over the death of John the Baptist. They're likely feeling needy, both physically and emotionally. And what does Jesus do? Well, in verse 31, he shows compassion. He invites them to come away by themselves to a place emptied of people to find rest. But notice what kind of rest it is. There's an emphasis in the end of verse 31. He says that they've been unable even to eat This is a rest of of getting a full stomach, in part. Jesus sees their neediness, and he invites them away to be fed. Now, if these disciples are needy, consider the neediness of a crowd of maybe 10,000 people. There was 5,000 men, and women and children weren't counted directly in that number. But imagine the needs there. In Mark, we know at the very least that the crowds came to Jesus with the felt need not to be Jesus' people, but rather for Jesus to be their ruler. That's what they wanted from him. But despite this, Jesus has compassion on them. This is shown so clearly in verses 35 through 38 as we see a crisis unfold. 10,000 people 
in a deserted place. No food, only five buns and two fish that are about the size of sardines. Jesus sees, he knows, and he has compassion on the crowds by meeting their most basic need. To eat, to not starve. We and those present in verse 40 hold our breath as Jesus sits everyone down and he looks up to heaven with five loaves and two small fish and he says, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Or maybe if you're of a Catholic persuasion, bless us, O Lord, and these are thy gifts which we are about to receive from thy bounty. It's believed that Jesus' blessing here is the Jewish common table prayer. That's the blessing he spoke. This showed certainty and gratefulness of the miracle that's happening through Jesus in that moment. Compassionate Jesus is bringing about new creation, bread and fish out of almost thin air. Jesus sees the crowd's neediness. He feeds them and he satisfies them in full, as it says in verse 42. Now, some of us might wonder, well, what about the disciples, right? They needed to rest. They needed to be alone, eat in peace, right? Wasn't that part of the deal in what Jesus was uh, inviting them to do? But before we think that they received a raw deal here, look at verse 43. How many baskets of food are picked up afterwards? Twelve. Exactly twelve. Not only were the apostles fed along with all the crowds, but Jesus provided for them for the days to come. Each walked away with a basket of food. Jesus abundantly meets the disciples and the crowd's need, their basic needs, that is. Uh, one of the greatest honors you could receive in uh, Middle Eastern culture, where our family was for a, for a handful of years, was to be invited into someone's home for a meal. In our first few months there in 2012, my wife Lindsay and a few of the other women on the ministry team were invited to Meltem's house. It's a great name. Meltem's house for a family feast. Now, this feast likely cost Meltem's family an entire week or two weeks worth of wages. That's very common for something like this. One teammate in particular chose to eat before coming, and she would not bring herself to eat the food that was provided. Now, as Meltem's family, as was custom, continued to insist and insist that she, sh- that she go ahead and try what a week's worth of wages tastes like, she all the more strongly refused. She had eaten before, right? She was going to eat again. She didn't have to eat this. She entirely took for granted what was provided for her, what it cost these hosts and their generosity towards her. When you have a need met daily, or you have a need that is met seemingly on your own terms, it can be so easy to take that need being met for granted, right? It can be easy to not be grateful, but rather just to expect it to be met every day. C.S. Lewis, in his book called Miracles, you can guess what that's about, says that many miracles are simply God doing what he normally does, but doing it all in one moment, Consider an example of when Jesus heals bodies, right? God has given us bodies that heal over time, right? And what does Jesus do? He heals it all in one single moment. That's partially, that's what we see happening even here with the 5,000. Jesus is doing immediately for these people and his disciples what God does for us every single day. He meets our basic needs, but we likely take that for granted. When Jesus taught us to pray, he told us to bring those basic needs before him. He says to pray this, give us this day our daily bread, right? 
it's likely we don't pray this prayer every day because if we're honest, we don't feel like we need that to be met by him. We can provide for ourselves. We don't really see ourselves as needy in those most basic needs. We just, we don't relate perhaps with the crowds of hungry people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus knows what we really need. And he does in the most basic way, and he provides it for us. Your full stomachs, your full refrigerators and freezers, etc. It proves it that Jesus has provided for you before you've even asked. For us to bring our needs to him, our basic needs to him, we probably should start by giving thanks for the ways he already meets our basic needs each day. Perhaps today you, you don't relate, or rather you do relate to the people there in those fields, in that desolate place. You don't have a full stomach. You go hungry. Or maybe some other basic need, right? Sleep. It's eluding you in some way. Well, compassionate Jesus sees. He knows your need. The one who holds up the universe by the word of his power, he provides all people with sunshine and rain. He provides for our needs before we ask. Bring your most basic needs to him this morning. If you're hungry, bring that need to us here at All Saints. Let us be Jesus' means to fill you up. Yes, Jesus can meet our basic needs every day, but, but what about those felt needs, right? In our second point, we see again that Jesus knows what we really need. So we can bring even our felt needs to him and yet be satisfied. Remember again uh, what the disciples are likely feeling in verses uh, 30 to 32, right? They're overjoyed, uh, but likely physically fatigued, likely emotionally fatigued, mourning the death of John the Baptist. But compassionate Jesus' invitation to come away to a desolate place seems to be aimed uh, both at filling their stomachs and also, right, meeting that, that felt need of physical and emotional rest being met. But their felt needs seem to be trampled by about 10,000 people, and Jesus' choice to be compassionate on those people. In verses 35 to 37, the disciples come to Jesus giving quite a sensible suggestion, right? They are perhaps trying to get their felt need met. Jesus, send the crowds away to go get food for themselves. Jesus' response makes even us uncomfortable. No, you feed them. A perhaps angst-filled apostle responds in disbelief. Should we pay 200 days worth of wages to get enough food for these people? But Jesus doesn't back down. Go. See how many loaves you do have. Could it be that the disciples felt needs were not their real needs? What about the crowd's felt needs? As mentioned earlier, the crowd's crowd's felt need is for a political and a military Messiah who would save them from the Romans, save them from all foreign enemies. Well, in verse 34, Jesus meets the crowd with those felt needs and he has compassion on them. They're sheep without a shepherd. Now, the word shepherd often carries a caring, kind of a pastor-like response, one we often see modeled even so well at All Saints Church. But the word shepherd also, even more chiefly in that day, had an overtone of a ruler, one who had authority, one who could win in military conquest, a a victorious shepherd. And Jesus quite literally sees that need that they have for a shepherd. And he's willing to have compassion on them, but he's not yet willing to be the victorious shepherd that he will be later on, the one that we still wait for to come back. But in Jesus, we see this pure authority and power meeting overflowing compassion and love. And they're united 
in Jesus. And then we see Jesus meet not their felt needs, but their real need in verse 34 by teaching them many things. The crowd's felt needs was not their real need in that moment. This uh, past school year on Wednesday mornings, my eldest daughter, Zoe, would go off to school with Lindsay, and I'd, I'd watch our other two youngest before the fourth came along. And uh, our liturgy on Wednesday mornings usually took us to Target at one point or another, and uh, even if it was just for bubble bath things. Um, but at times, we'd end up in the toy section, and that's where I would hear just the most beautiful thing out of my kids' voices. I need that. I need that. I need that. Can I have that? No? Why? Why? Right? It's only funny. It's only funny because we do that too, right? We don't say it out loud as we walk through the sporting section. That might be uncomfortable for others. As we browse for new shoes or new clothes, as we scroll Amazon in the company of others. Sure, we know we don't need another new fishing rod. We don't need another new top or another new t-shirt or another whatever fill in the blank. But what about when those felt needs really arguably are real needs? Like rest after difficult work or solace after the death of a friend. Wasn't that the disciple's situation? What about if we're really in need of a leader who isn't in it for his own praise or a leader who isn't just a puppet for other people's agendas? Wasn't that the crowd's situation? At 2 a.m., my felt need to sleep feels pretty real. The baby says, no, it's not. Jesus knows that my real need is to learn dependence on his grace at 2 a.m. because 9 p.m. apparently will not do. Aging fathers maybe feel, I need a sense of adventure out there, away from the monotony of life, away from the troubles in this last year. But fathers, probably your real need is to spend your skin on the adventure of chasing your bride, chasing your kids who just want you, or even chasing sheep here in this church, who'd love to be chased. Single teenagers or adults maybe feel, I just, I need a, a significant other to love me. Then I'll be beautiful. Then I'll be validated. I'll be handsome. I'll be desirable. Your real need is likely to learn that you are more precious and valuable in Jesus's eyes than you ever dared hope for. Moms maybe feel, I just feel the need to be left alone. I just need silence. Jesus needs, or Jesus knows your real need is to receive by faith the good, the hard, and the tiring. Those aren't the nicknames of your children or husband, but you still need to receive those things. Parents maybe feel, I need to know my children are going to love Jesus. Your real need may be to open your hands even wider, to show discipline more consistently, and to apply grace all the more generously, and then trust that Jesus loves your kids more than you ever could. I'm not saying that all these felt needs are illegitimate. By no means, right? They're legitimate. But rather, Jesus knows what we really need. With the crowds, Jesus taught and fed them as a shepherd would. With his disciples, Jesus didn't force them to teach. Notice that. Only Jesus taught. They sat over here and listened, probably grumbling. Jesus, what what he gave to them, he confronted them for their lack of compassion. Then he invited them into a miracle. That was what they needed, apparently. Because Jesus knows what we need, we can trust him with our felt needs. The crowd didn't need the leader just yet. They needed full stomachs, and they needed to be taught by Jesus. Friends, he knows our needs better than we do. And because he cares for us more than we ever could care for ourselves, we can trust him with each and every single need, especially, especially the felt ones, 
that are arguably really real needs. In our um, third and our final point, we ask, will Jesus meet our ultimate needs? Are you satisfied in life today? If not, to satisfy your neediness, what are you chasing? What are you chasing after that's not Jesus to meet those ultimate needs? Now, we must remember that in Mark, he's seeking to ask one big question. Who is Jesus? Right? And though we've answered that Jesus is the compassionate one who knows all of our needs, basic, felt, we really haven't answered what this text is chiefly teaching us about Jesus. This specific miracle and story here in Mark is teaching us something so profound about Jesus that it's one of the few miracles that's found in all four of the Gospels. So there's two things, two things we should give some attention to. The compassionate Jesus we see, he's the greater Moses. That's the first thing. Now, Moses was a prophet, right? A prophet's role is to bring God's voice, God's revelation, God's, uh, God's revelation to God's people and to the world. And this is what Moses did in the Old Testament. He was one of the, the greatest prophets, right, to ever live. But Jesus comes as the better Moses, giving us perfect revelation of God. In our Old Testament reading today, we heard of how Moses, or God rather, led Israelites out of Egypt through Moses. And he led them where? Into the wilderness, into a desolate place. And the people grumbled against God and Moses on account of their unmet felt needs. God responded in testing and in perpetual compassion. Not food for one day, food for 40 years. As we read our passage today, we are supposed to remember and think back to the wilderness. We're, we're supposed to think of Israel and how God fed them out of thin air, right? He did it through the prophet Moses, but now God is doing the same thing here, but he's doing it himself there in the flesh. He's feeding the disciples who are grumbling for rest, the crowds that are grumbling for a ruler. In our uh, assurance of salvation earlier today, we heard that long ago, and many times in, in sundry ways, perhaps that's the wording, God spoke to us through prophets. But now he speaks to us through his son, the better prophet, the greater Moses, the perfect revealer of God to us. For he is God with us, Jesus. The second thing beyond Jesus just being the greater Moses, the second thing we learn about compassionate Jesus in this event, and it's not recorded in Mark, but rather it's in, it's in the book of John, it's that Jesus doesn't only provide bread, but it's that he, he himself is the bread of life. He says this in John 6, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And if they didn't pick it up, he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. The crowds do not understand their ultimate need for Jesus as the bread of life. The disciples who are with him haven't fully gotten it. He's the bread of life that we need too. In the film, uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which you can talk about with Cody Drake. It's his favorite film. He's not here today, but you can bring it up and he'll be incredibly happy. Walter Mitty lives a monotonous life. He's handling the, the negatives of photos that go into the, the magazine, uh, Time, Time magazine. However, he frequently escapes off into a fantastical world of daydreaming where there's uh, adventure abounding and he actually wins over the heart of his female coworker who he's interested in. And Walter believes that adventure and gaining this woman's affection will ultimately set him free, will, will give him life, and it will leave him satisfied. 
yet he lacks the gumption to chase after it. In what seems to be uh, Walter's final days on his job, the most important photo which was sent to him has gone missing. This forces Walter on a worldwide journey to find this coveted photo. But in this pursuit for Walter, that which he thought he'd gain in adventure, that which he thought would satisfy him, it does. It in fact does. He experiences a fulfilling life. He seems to win the girl's heart, and he seems altogether satisfied as the movie closes. The core message of uh, Walter's lesson I take to be, chase that which you really want, that which you really believe you need, and you will be satisfied. That message either leads us to glory or absolute ruin. If we see our ultimate need as Jesus himself, the bread of life, we will come, we will bring our needs, and we will be satisfied. But if we see it as anything else, we will be utterly ruined, ever discontent. The interesting twist in that film is that the thing that Walter is pursuing, that that coveted and lost photo, it ends up being uh, within his reach for much of the film. He just doesn't know it yet. Do you know what you pursue as ultimate, as an ultimate need instead of God? Here's how you find out what that is. Fill in the blank in this sentence. If I just had, then I'd be satisfied. If I just had enough money. If I just had a happy marriage. A marriage. A baby. The right job. Respect from others. This person's approval, affection, and attention. Then I'd be satisfied. Mark is telling us that Jesus who spoke a common table prayer and brought about the feeding of 10,000 people is the same God who fed an entire nation in the desert for 40 years. Jesus is not a lost photo just within reach. Jesus is here now with us. He is the compassionate God-man who is the greater Moses, the perfect revealer of God with us. And he's here. He's the bread of life. He's waiting for us to pick him up and feast on him. Jesus knows what you ultimately need is him. Compassionate Jesus satisfies your ultimate need for hope, your ultimate need for some sense of security in a world that doesn't feel all that secure. Compassionate Jesus satisfies your ultimate need to be loved and known. He knows you and loves you more than you love or know yourself. Compassionate Jesus satisfies your ultimate need for joy where you are fully approved of as a son or daughter, one who is held both in this life and the one to come forever. Friends, ask Jesus today for the grace to to unhinge your heart from those things that you pursue as ultimate. Because Jesus knows what you ultimately need, bring your ultimate needs to him and be satisfied. In closing, briefly here, the the more time I spend with small children, not only my own, but others, the more that I am convinced that adults are simply children who've learned how to mask their needs pretty well, or who learn how to communicate their needs in a way that kind of says, I have a need, but not really. I'm not that needy, right? Compassionate Jesus knows what you really need. You don't need to mask it. You don't need to hide how you communicate it. Embrace the neediness. You were created to be needy and to have those needs met in Christ. Because Jesus knows what you really need. Bring your basic needs. Bring your felt needs. He'll give you what you need 
even if it isn't the felt need. Bring your ultimate needs and find true hope, joy, security, satisfaction. When Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. May God give us the grace to reply in our neediness. Jesus, bread of life, give us this bread always. Give us this bread always. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can be so unlike little children who very clearly say every day, I need that. I need that. Jesus, show us our neediness so that we look to you and we say, I need you. I need you because you will not say that we cannot have you. We won't need to ask why. You give us yourself and it is enough. May we ask for this bread of life always and may we be satisfied in you forever. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to us. Thank you for coming and knowing and meeting all our needs. It's in compassionate Jesus' name we pray. Amen.